This is a Neil Prendeville Show production for Cork's Red FM. The Neil Prendeville Show on Cork's Red FM. The following episode contains sensitive content. Listener discretion is advised. Jamie Nagel got on stage one day and he forgot to get off. I was besotted with him. He was the love of my life. We had this magical wedding coming up. Like, my life was perfect. And as the saying goes, if something is too good to be true, it probably is. And it was. When I was wiping my own blood off the wall, I was literally looking at it going, this is not okay. This is a story about love and trust gone wrong. I'm trying to tell a toddler that her father is gone. That's the thing I've ever had to do. I'm Jamie Nagel. I was born in 1993. And then everything went to Jamie used to always say to me, you couldn't make it up. You couldn't make this up. Previously. I'd asked him for my laptop. He was a bit reluctant to drop it up to me. But when he did, nothing was working. It was just black screen. It looks like the laptop's been white. Someday I'm going to make it back to London and I'm going to go back to the bank because I still have all my bank cards, I still have all my bank accounts and somebody has to give me some answers about what transactions, what actually was in the account, what was real, what was fake. The night before I leave hospital on our son, Jamie rings me. He said to me, we have a problem. The home that Jamie and Kathleen were setting up in the Cork suburbs has apparently now disappeared. It was promised. And now Jamie says it's a non-runner, unpromised, if you like. Kathleen and two children won a brand new baby, leaving hospital, facing homelessness. Jamie, are you joking me? Like, I have nowhere to go tomorrow. Like, I have a newborn baby. Where am I going to go? And obviously I'm not going to leave my daughter with you. Like, I'm not going to be apart from my daughter any longer. I've been apart from her for 10 days. Like, I am losing my mind here. Please don't do this to me. I rang my parents, of course, and I was in a heat. And of course, with them, ha, don't you worry. You come up here, you know, your brother will sleep on the couch. We'll, make, we'll figure something out. We'll all squeeze in, you know. They'd have, <laughs> they would have slept on the roof themselves if they had to, you know. like So we all went up to my parents to stay. The next day... Uh, Jamie was to come up and collect me so I told him I was being left out at 12 make sure you're here early I, I want to get out of here I've been in here for 10 days and he was like mm, um, I'm kind of clearing out the, the house in Douglas um, is there any chance your brother can collect you? I was like you spent two hours with your newborn son and you want my brother to collect me and he was like okay okay I was like you have the car seat and everything like you have to come up and get me He's a grand. So it, 12 o'clock came, half 12 came, one o'clock came. I'm sitting there with this little baba waiting to go home. Half one came, two o'clock came, half two came, and he arrived. Finally, he was like, Oh, I have to get the, the insert for the car seat. And they brought the car seat up, and I popped him in and ready to go. And we went down, not even so much as a balloon. Nothing. He just got us into the car, drove me to my parents. Now, my dad at this point obviously did not want to see him. So my mother wouldn't even look at him like Jamie would say. And he said, look, I have to go up and clear out the house all the stuff in Douglas. I'll come back in a few hours. And I was like, grand. So he vanished, came back about 10 o'clock that night to stay. And 
he said to me, oh, I'll have to go really early in the morning because there's a, a moving truck coming to box up all the boxes because they all need to go to storage. Like, we had so much stuff. And I was like, Jamie, you can't leave me in the morning. Like, I'm in agony. I've not had my antibiotics. I have no painkillers. You're going to have to run and get them in the morning. Come back and you're going to have to help me with our son. Like, at this point, I could not actually get up by myself. And, you know, I was breastfeeding as well at the time. So, like, I need, I actually needed my son to be passed to me at one point. I was in so much pain. And he was like, but I have to go up. And I was like, but surely it doesn't matter. You know what I mean? If they're only boxes, please don't go. I, I need help in the morning. My mother is too sick and my dad wouldn't have a clue. God love him. And he's not going to be in, you know, like I'm going to be breastfeeding and stuff. So it's not going to be ideal, you know. Mm. I, I was in absolute agony you now after this section I don't know what it was about it but I didn't recover as fast as my first one I got up in the morning and I couldn't move like physically I could not sit up my small fellow was crying and I said you're going to have to stay you're going to have to pass him to me when he needs to be fed I cannot move I have to feed him and he was like well I have to go and he walked out and he left me in the bed crying my eyes out I literally had to drag myself up out of the bed to pick him up. I, I, I cried in pain, and I cried in pain from what I was going through emotionally as well. Later that day, he returns with my antibiotics, and he had said that what he was going to do was kind of, you know, maybe book one of those kind of lodges. You know, the lodges onto hotels and Kinsale Hotel and Spa, they had these nice lodges for a few days until we figure something out. And I was waiting all day for him to get back because I didn't know what was happening. And he came back and my dad like, literally was starting to lose his mind at this point. And he said, Jamie, what are you doing? What is going on? What are you doing? Are you either taking us somewhere to stay or you're not? And he just goes, I can't deal with this. And he left. That was it. He walked out. He was gone. He was done. Done with me. He was done with us. He was done with pretty much everything. My boy was four days old. We did briefly get a place in Watergrass Hill some months later, maybe two months down the line, but I literally stayed there for two weeks on my own. I think he stayed one night, so we weren't really, you know, together. The one night he did stay, he stole my engagement ring. <laughs> so we had an argument, and I put the engagement ring on the counter, and I said, I was kind of saying, like, it means nothing, you know, and I was just kind of, I think I was being just dramatic. And I came back from the bathroom, and the ring was gone off the table. And I couldn't, I was actually like, he actually took it, like, you know, he put it in his pocket. And then he texted me, he walked out, and about an hour later, he texted me, and he said, your ring is on the window in the bathroom. And I went into the bathroom in the downstairs toilet, and there was no ring. And I was like, no, Jamie, it's not. And he was like, well, it was there, you know, whatever, an hour ago. I put it up there, and I was like, well, it's gone from the window. I said, no, you didn't. And he said, oh, maybe it fell down behind the couch or something like that. And I was like, you have the ring, you have the ring. This went off for days, right? And I was like, I know you have the ring. And he was like, I don't. I swear on our children's lives. I swear on my family's lives. I do not have that ring. So then I was talking to a good friend of mine who we would have been mutual friends. So um, her husband worked for him. And we'd been on holidays together as well, like all of us and their kids. And I was texting her and I was like... I still haven't found the ring. I know he has the ring. And she was like, did you not get the ring back? And I was like, what do you mean get the ring back? And she was like, um, 
don't worry, you'll have it back by the end of the day. And I was like, what the hell is going on? The next morning, when I get this big, long text message, which I still have, where he admitted to taking the ring, right? And I was like, what happened? And then I text my friend and she said, he stupidly sent a picture of the ring in his hand to my husband and said, I'm sick of this bitch or something like that. And she's nothing but a see you next Tuesday. Ha, ha, ha. Or something like that. I, I don't know. It was something where he thought it was hilariously funny or that he was just taking the ring and told me that I had lost it. And then he texted me all apologies and he was going to come down later and give me the ring back. And the reason he took it is because he wanted to give it back to me when we were in a better place. No, you want to sell it. I don't think he's aware of like trying to resell engagement rings is really impossible. <laughs> I got nothing for it. The try again effort or attempt at a trying again in Watergar's Hill, did that just collapse, yeah? Yeah, like he, he wasn't there. And he was just continuing to lie and to lie and to lie still about everything. Like, it was actually getting worse, not better. And it was, again, stupid lies about, you know, he was going to give me access to his bank account going forward because he was going to go back working. It got so tiring. And then he was trying to help me find a house eventually because I said, well, look, you know, me and the kids, need to, we're just going to find a house on our own. He was like, look, I'll do everything I can to help you find a house. And... It'll be great for free and stuff like that. And, you know, we can see how things go and as you know, whatever. And then he knew an estate agent in Cargilline who was happy to take HAP and was happy to help me find a house. And subsequently she had a property, she had two properties coming up. She gave me the air code to one and I said, OK, I'm going to, you know, again, she was texting me. And I said, OK, I'm going to drive out this afternoon and, the, this property and then she texted me and she was like I've actually given you the wrong air code I'm not at the office I'll give it to you later and all this and it turned out that was him as well he was just pretending to be just another person so it looked like he was helping me get a house He's still at it this pathological it. lying It was like he trained my brain over four years to as you said it started with little small things and it's very like it sounds like it went big very quickly but like what you have to remember is this happened over the space of years not weeks or months the main stuff happened at the end but it was all building up over the years to this point and my brain was trained into just literally being like a zombie I questioned myself because he always made me feel like I was forgetful and that I was silly and that I was, you know, oh, you're just, you know, just baby brain, you know. Like, he, he constantly made me feel silly. So I stopped asking questions because I felt silly. Mm. And I was like, oh, it's me. It's me, it's me, it's me. I'm the problem, you know what I mean? I'm the one that's forgetting this. I've watched Netflix documentaries and stuff. I remember watching the Tinder Cinder after and I was literally like, I felt like putting my foot through the TV. I was so angry because <laughs> I was like, there is more of them. <laughs> like, the only thing we didn't have was a private plane. <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know, we had the fancy holidays. We stayed in five-star hotels everywhere. You know what I mean? Like, we, we lived a, a lavish lifestyle at that point when money was in, you know? Like, you know, he brought me to Barcelona and we stayed in a Forbes-recommended hotel. Like, these places are places that people only dream of staying in. Who's, and I stayed in them. Who's paying for all of that? 
This was out of the, the business account when things were kind of good before the accounts got locked down. You know, when the five grand was coming in every week, we were able to hop on a plane by the time my daughter was So these were Cork, these were Cork and Irish companies that were paying this money. That, that yeah. he was he was stringing along, obviously. Yeah. And there were many of them then who ended up coming calling to your dog grooming salon yeah. looking for, for payment. So, and can you imagine what it must look like for, we say, you know, Joe down the road that's owed 3000 for electrical work and he sees on Facebook that Jamie Nagel is off with his girlfriend swanning around in Barcelona staying in a five-star oh, hotel. I know, it must have been infuriating. It must, it must be still infuriating for the many, many people who have been caught there was a good few that I did help get their money back because I was like, I'm not going to sit back and leave this happen. So I told them what they needed to do and a few of them did get their money back. Now, in hindsight, that probably was the wrong thing to do because he deserved to go down for it. But, you know, like with Mary, Mary, Mary really, Mary hit home with me because this girl, you know, her money on her house that is now not safe for a child, when I saw that message, I just, I was like, I, you know, have to do something like I, I have to I have to help her I know he's an electrician I've seen he wired up a full salon there's lovely lighting inside there you know what I mean this, this guy seems very capable very competent like most people I presume he did do factors and like mixers whatever whatever you want to call it the electrical work was a thousand pounds and I was happy to go ahead with that he sent me a message saying I do half upfront payment so I was to give him 500 pounds at the start of the job and 500 on completion so I went ahead with that for the electrical work. Then he kind of convinced me further that he was going to do the rest of the work. I had like skirting boards, architraves, things a handyman would do. So he quoted me 3000 I said, yeah, went ahead. And he wanted a further 1500 So that would bring the total to 2000 for both upfront payments. He then messaged me, I, I'm going to say less than a few days later, and said he would need money for materials. So, of course, I, I gave him the extra 300 Now, I, I did think it was strange that he asked for an extra 300 for materials when he'd taken two grand off me in total. And what's the story with the fake photos of other people's work? Did you see other people's work that he alleged to have done? Yeah. So, if you are in my post on Facebook, you will see a picture of a lovely banister on a building site. It's like a house being refurbished. I actually had a banister, but it was quite old at the time. He was going to remove it and put what was in that picture. It's going to be basically plasterboard and he's going to plaster over it and make it quite modern instead of null post. My partner who works away, he had looked at the prices and he goes, Mary, that you're getting ripped off completely. He goes like, this is a scam. He goes, they definitely know you must have a few bob or something. And the thing is, I didn't have a few bob. That was, I saved that money and my dad had given me a lot of it. It never got finished, did it? And, and did, the, did the electrical wiring get finished? That's the most dangerous work no. for somebody who's not an no. electrician. No. So to the very end, the last day that Jamie, I ever seen Jamie Nagel, my partner commented, we, we came in from a walk and he was like, check if he's still out in the kitchen. There's something weird going on there. There was no noise of drilling. There was nothing happening. I had so many chats with him and I gave him so many chances. I really tried with him and like the banister was old fashioned, but he took it away and removed it and removed all my carpet off the stairs. If you can see in the pictures, yeah. it's just a bare floorboard. Yeah. That's a lot to leave in a house with a one-year-old child. Yeah. He didn't give two hoops. So like, and actually, if I'm honest, do you know the the two wooden posts, they were actually put up at the end by my partner to try to stop the child from falling down the stairs. There was nothing at all there. Like, that's where she fell down that's the stairs. That's just a huge gap. 
um, as you come, down, as you come down the stairs. That was yeah. actually for safety reasons. My partner was just like, yeah. it can't happen now anymore. He literally put up two two things to stop the child from going. And how did it end so, up in the end then? For a finish, my partner spoke to him and he said, look, Jamie, you've, you've actually charged the woman too much money. He said, I don't understand. You're a handyman. You should be charging handyman's prices. Like He said, 600 euro for a banister, you would want bells and whistles on a banister. And Jamie actually looked at me and he said, yeah, and he looked at my partner and said, yeah, you're right. I did. So I was just chanting my arm kind of, yeah, yeah. But he didn't, like we both said at the end of speaking to him after that, there was a poker face. There was, there was no emotion. He didn't actually let on anything, but he was happy to give me a refund. So he said, I, I said, I wasn't happy with carpentry work, with the handyman work. He was only to finish the electrical. So that was a thousand pounds. And he would give me back the 1,500. He told me as well with the, with the materials for the 300. There was a delivery to come. No delivery ever came. Yeah, yeah, there was, yeah. I never received a delivery. Mm. So I gave him the benefit of the doubt. This went on and on and on and on. Till eventually I threatened Jamie. And I sent that picture. I think you can see where she was putting her hands in behind the yes, socket. Yes, I can. She's, she's, she's I, messing with a, a, a bare electrical socket, yeah. My friends kept saying, Mary, you've been scammed. I didn't believe it. I to believe it I couldn't they had to put me into the car they had just had narrowed it down like all the houses in that estate so there was only one rented house and my friend was like I'm sure it's this one so my friend actually had to get me out of the car to sign on the door and I was still like oh Jesus if they open the door you know I'm not that type of person that's going to house it was 10 o'clock at night but I had told Jamie I'm going to come to your door the next morning I get a, mess, a voice note from Jamie saying Mary I'm getting that money to you today it'll be in the door by half day. this was constant as well he'd say things to me like I couldn't drop it through the door because it was too late. So long story short, I'd gone to the house. The next day after that, I didn't believe what Jamie had said and I knew there was something, I had a very bad gut feeling about it and I knew my friends were right, I had been scammed. But like I said, at this point in time tonight, I'm going to the guards. If the money doesn't come through the door at half seven, it's been two weeks now. So the next thing, an envelope comes through my door. I actually text Jamie, it had gone half seven at about 20 tap. I just texted him and I said, I'm leaving now to go up to the guard station. An envelope comes through my door. There was 600 euro inside an envelope and this big long note basically telling me of all the work that he had done in the house, the reasons why he wouldn't be giving me back the money. It was basically saying as well, like he was so good to me in the thing, how he'd taken away unused tables, how all the extra stuff that he'd done. Aye, like, but I mean, like, that's only I, all guff. Like at the end of the day, the work wasn't done that you had agreed to pay no, for. No, it wasn't done. And the rest but he had wrote beside that banister, yeah. like you'll see that in the Facebook post, okay. completed. 600 you, euro completed. He wasn't giving me back any money. That was it. It's a, the work was completed and I might as well. I rang him that night. You'll wait forever to get that money off me in court. He said, you know, maybe how could we settle it or something? And then he started saying, can you please stop shouting at me? Can you please stop shouting at me? He hung up the phone to me that, that evening and I never heard from Jamie Nagel again until that night when that post went up. Within an hour, Jamie texted me and asked me to take the post down and that he would refund my money tomorrow and he would make a call to me. I said, no, 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 Jamie. I said, my money will come in the same door that it came out. Like, if, like the post will not go down until you pay me my money back. And? Kept saying, send on your bank details. I mean, would you send on your bank details to somebody like Jamie Nagel? I said, Jamie, I paid you in cash. I want the money back in cash. And it'll come in the same door it came out. Within an hour of that text, a quarter to one meal, my money came back in the door. That, that night. How much? I got back in total 2,300 because I wanted the total amount. He'd give me back 600. You got but the I whole actually, lot back, the 2,300. 300, okay. yeah. 
The reputational damage that Jamie Nagel did to people in the real world was devastating to innocent people who believed his patter. He's an electrician, a carpenter, a professional photographer, a videographer, a digital marketing genius. Here's Stephen. Basically, how I knew, found out who he was really was my buddy was to be his wedding photographer okay. for his ex-missus. But I had never put two and two together until it's come in. A month later, after he had done all the work in my place, the amount of people that have come and asked me, he's ruined my name, like he's basically ruined nearly my last business because of him using my name to even get into chippers and say he could do electrical work. My buddy's mechanics across the road said, or Stephen said, oh, you said I could do it, Joe, as an electrician, blah, 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 you know. I I don't know how we actually weasel him. It's impressive, really, but it's so wrong, you know. He would use your name with other businesses and use you as a as a reference. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, and like, then he see certain people come into the shop and like, you know, that kind of way, and then okay, do you, you know, yeah. Do you know if he ever actually qualified as an electrician, for instance? No, he definitely didn't. Um, but I've I've spoken to numerous electricians coming to me, John, you know, and they know the lads working in Foster Solid. And they said he wasn't up there because they would have been going for it at the same time. You know, that kind of way. So he doesn't have any cert or anything or he's not no, served his he's time. No, he's not. And there was, there was a day he was going into the chipper over. I followed him in because I, I, I knew the chipper owner. And I just said, Jesus, don't need him to do any bit of work because he's definitely not registered. And like, he even had an Instagram page saying Jamie the Spark. That's, that's fairly bold, you know. And that's when we put everything together to who he was. And then I started talking to certain circles down to Garvin. Uh, like, and even further afield and then you know, I gave him the benefit of the doubt saying Jeez, maybe he changed over a new leaf and then I found out everything Kathleen was saying and then spread a lot of malicious lies about us and the company and the five lads I had working for me you know which really damaged our reputation you know I was talking to the guy who owned Chipper and he said he thought it was very strange he wanted money up front for the job he wanted to do which would have made no sense to any spark and like I'm lucky enough like my grandfather was a builder. I grew up and watched how he did his trade. I used to always go to the builder providers of them and he'd have an account. Yeah. So I know tradesmen don't really ask for money up front if they're somewhat good, you know. Were there other businesses caught down there? There was. Uh, my buddy of mine, he did a bit of electrical for him and it wasn't till afterwards he told me he did the electrical because that's the place I wouldn't be every day, you know, that kind of way or I wouldn't really ask him who's doing what, you know, so. Yeah, yeah. Were they but unhappy with the work? Name. Oh, very unhappy. But he had used my name to my buddy to say, oh, yeah, Stephen said, uh, you know, he recommended, John, blah, blah, blah. God, he knows what he said, you know. Okay. So that's a photographer, uh, motor mechanics, chipper, chipper, your barber shop, others? My barber shop. There's a girl around the corner. You've probably seen Mary status, you know. She she was the one who wanted them to do the hole in the roof and the landing and... He's actually, he went off with the money again. And would you describe him as a bit of a charmer? Like, tell me about his personality. Oh, absolutely. Like, if you think butter wouldn't melt, you know. He just, he, he comes across as a very drama person. Do you know that kind of way? And then it made sense to when Kathleen had said that he'd ripped off a drama school down thing. And I was like, no wonder he's so good at what he does. You mean you he's, very, he's very dramatic, very theatrical. She says the hands right. are going, or lots of expressions. But very likeable, apparently. He draws very you likeable, in. Very likeable. Like, I, I like... If I had 10 minute conversation with him, I'd say I trust him. You know, that kind of way. Yeah. You know, he knows what he's doing. It's premeditated, you know. Like, I'm just I'm just afraid, like, some old person gets hurt. Like, whatever about us young working individuals, we'll always recover. But you don't ever really, do you? You know. Oh, the walls are crumbling. I had to get new, um, I'd get a plaster in to fix everything. Everything was damaged, even to the ceiling. You know, there was even a bow because of the way he did some things. And 
Look, it was it was a headache, you know. And how much out of pocket would you have been left having put it all right? Oh, easily two grand. Is he a qualified electrician? Oh my God, no. Okay. He's had no training. He's okay. probably YouTube. He's handy with a few wires, but he's self-taught. Okay. Like he, he, he's not qualified in anything. He's still at it. He is still at it to this day. He scoped out the next girl before he left me because he, see, the thing is about narcissists and stuff like that, they can't be on their own. They need a new supply all the time. So before he had completely cut ties with me and like as in washed his hands of me and the kids, he found his new supply. And that was the end of everything. He didn't want it. You know, he had no interest in the kids anymore and he was just gone. That was it. And, and I haven't seen him since... I haven't seen him in person since October 2021. And he has not seen the kids since February last year. The real sad thing about this is that in the real world, he would make a very good scriptwriter, director, producer, yes. movie maker. This, but you see, this is what what people have to understand is that Jamie is obsessed obsessed with story writing with you know scripts he loved to write so that's why I feel he made this story become a reality because he was literally so obsessed with the story himself like you could see like when you talk to him about the stuff in London you could actually see his eyes light up and how do you feel about being the main star in that story in that movie if you like I wouldn't call it a star. I'd call it a victim. Yeah. You know, I would consider myself the main victim. You know, like he had done so many things to so many people over the years. But by Christ, I got the full whack of the absolute crazy that is going on. It's like he went from strength to strength over the years with people and became bigger and bolder in his lies and his stories. And this just went to the absolute extreme. And he was getting away with it because he knew that I adored him and I adored the person I thought he was. People listening will be wondering why you didn't just see the light sooner, even the whole trying in Watergrass Hill and even earlier, at loads of different times earlier, you could have just... got him to sling his hook, but you but you kept hanging in there. You know why? Because he had broken me so much. I had, there was nothing left of me. You know what I mean? Like, I was a shell of myself. Like, during this time, I was very suicidal in London and quite soon after our son. And I had expressed this to him because... I was dealing with postnatal depression. I was also treated for PTSD. And I was dealing with all of this on top of trying to realise that I was essentially homeless. I had no home of my own. I was living in a room with my son and my daughter was in a cot in my parents' room. Like, I had nothing left. I had €40 in my bank account when he was done with me. I was nearly €1,000 in debt with the bank because of a car he rented in London that he just decided to ditch and he had so many fines on. I was left with the debt and he just walked away into his new life and just left me but, a shell yeah. of myself. Yeah. But but four years of your life to deal with, to having four to years. deal with this on a continual yeah. basis. 
and thankfully to come through in some shape or form through the other end of it. Like in in the cold light of day, after all of it, when you sat down and tried to make sense of it, how, how were you feeling about it emotionally? How, how were you? How did you deal with it? I'll be honest, I, I didn't deal very well with it for quite some time. I didn't. I, I I wasn't coping, but I think only for my family, my my mother, and my two closest friends. I wouldn't have got through it without them pulling me out of the gutter and my son at that time obviously my daughter was a little bit older so like you know she spent most of her days you know with my parents whereas I was in a bedroom just in a depression and I was breastfeeding so it was my son was the only thing that was getting me up because I had to feed him you know so if I had not had him I probably would not be here and I remember saying that to Jamie. I told him that I was, I can't live like this. I can't go on like this. You know, I feel suicidal. And then he was mocking me to our mutual friends, sending screenshots of the messages I was sending him saying, look at this psycho, look at this nutter. She's cracked. You know, she's nothing but a whore. She's a, every, horrible things. Do you ever think as to why he would do this to you because it's an exhausting life for him to be living this lie, these multiple lies, all of these fictitious characters. I won't list them all again, but I'm sure at the last count there was about 13 or 14 different yeah. invented characters that he was juggling all of the time. Is, is it some kind of a twisted pleasure or is it yeah. is it an illness or what is it? Yeah. He'll live in a fantasy and then when the fantasy runs out, when he's being questioned too much, he just cuts, runs and moves on to the next person that's willing to believe his fantasy. The worst thing was the kids were part of that because he needed a new persona this time. He needed the doting father. Like he brought our son into the world in the midst of all this, knowing that it was all lies. If you interviewed him tomorrow, he would probably try to convince you that I was just nuts. And, and for you, there was no recourse to law, criminal or civil, was there? No? No. I think for, for anyone that's been affected by him, sadly, the you can make a statement to the Gardaí, but it's a civil matter. As soon as you hand over money, he didn't steal it. You handed it over. He was brought to the W work rate work relations court but that was never but that was that was never paid after the verdict was handed down there's a there's an outstanding debt for that for thousands because they told her basically that she'd have to go to maybe the high court and that would require barristers and that's going to run into the thousands which like nobody can afford that and he knows this so he's not afraid not to pay her because he's like but sure she's not going to take me to the court and, and did you share your story with friends and those close to you and sit down and tell yeah. your parents the real magnitude of what went on in your life for four yeah. years? And yeah. what was their reaction? They're still shocked. Like, we still, like, sometimes my mum will even share stories of things that she'd remember when I wasn't in the house and he was there with our daughter and her, you know, where he'd be in and out to work, I'd be working in the salon and, like, stuff. She She knew, you know. She was like, I knew all along there was something wrong, like, and I kept trying to say it. And, you know, I was like, yeah, but, you know, <laughs> I was completely 
blindsided. Like, you know, I, I was besotted with him. He was the love of my life. We had this magical wedding coming up. Like, my life was perfect. And as the saying goes, if something is too good to be true, it probably is. And it was. Coming up on You Couldn't Make This Up. If I could, I'd go back to London in the morning. I have so many questions that are unanswered about the money and about the bank accounts. He knew when he had me in London, he had me away from all the drama that was unfolding at home. He literally had me captured on my own with nobody around me, nobody to talk to, no way out, nowhere to go, so he could keep the lie going for a little bit longer. Hi, Jamie. Uh, it's Neil Prendival at Red FM. Uh, I was hoping to catch up with you on a story that we've been working on. This is a Neil Prendival Show production for Cork's Red FM.